How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. This is episode 65. My name is Harrison. Good to be with you guys. I'm here with... Hey, Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church. Great to be with you. This is a podcast for those who are um, uh, first followers or leaned-in people at Lake Forest Church Huntersville, where we talk about things maybe related to a sermon, uh, things that are going on at Lake Forest in the moment, or topics important for followers of Jesus today. And that's what we're handling today is with a guest, we are going to discuss social media wisdom for followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to hit a bunch of principles on that. That sounds important. It's timely, Harrison. Social media wisdom. I mean, we're all in social media, but are we using it wisely? We're going to focus particularly on content that we ourselves are responsible for, that we post in response or generate. Uh, but first, oh my goodness, I watched football a lot of Saturday before I went and officiated a wedding. Had my window open. It was a beautiful day. The game's muted. My favorite music on, reading some stuff. Um, and I jonesed on all the Christmas commercials. I was feeling, I'm usually, usually grinchy when people start decorating and talking about it this early. It's not even Thanksgiving, but I was getting in the mood for the season. I feel that I'm, I'm right there with you, Mike. What is your, what is your, uh, when your kids especially were younger, when they were in the house, what was your family's like? Was there like a cornerstone Christmas tradition where like every year we have to do this oh, thing because that oh, feels like Christmas. Oh, unquestionably. The Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving, going to, and I'm going to draw a blank, it's such a part of our life, I can't even remember the name, such and such tree farm <laughs> in Iron Station uh, over past Denver, and they have uh, llamas you can pet, they have cows, there's a big bonfire, they have chickens, turkeys, you never know what animals they're going to have. They have burros, um, and they have this huge, like, 30-foot-tall hay mound that the boys climb on, and all these other kids are there. There's a barn. You take a picture in a sleigh, and and we always get our Christmas tree there. And that is our tradition, and we continue that now with Austin and Nicole. That's good. I was going to say, they got to still be part of that, right? You can't let them off the hook. So we are are having several Lake Forest, Huntersville Christmas traditions. Wednesday night, December 1st, will be our third annual tree lighting. It's a light a tree made of lights that we have out in our main yard, uh, main green here. We'll have, we'll sing a few carols. There'll be a little bit of music. We're going to, what, what's the video going to be for kids? It's, uh, and big kids like me, Olaf's something, something, something Christmas. It it was, it was actually made at the same Christmas tree farm, the something, something Christmas tree farm. Cedar Lake tree tree farm. That's what it (laughs) is. There you go. Uh, Highly recommend it. An Olaf something awesome that kids will like. There's like a 20 minute uh, fun Christmas movie that we'll all watch outside and then we'll sing and light the the tree. Uh, The next Wednesday, December 8th is also a tradition of ours, our blue Christmas worship service where those uh, wanting uh, to express their um, grief or loss of someone in their life recently or from a long time ago. We we just do that in God's direction uh, in a way. And then um, our two Advent season missions, one is the Christmas Village Toy Store with Caterpillar Ministries serving uh, a bunch of our uh, working uh, neighbors uh, to be able to afford uh, to give their children Christmas in a dignified way. They we purchase toys at retail price. We then reprice them down to about a quarter or a third of retail. And uh, parents uh, who we're in relationship with and caterpillars in relationship can come shop. And then there's Dress Simber, which is raising awareness and funds uh, uh, toward the justice issue of human trafficking in our world today. And uh, one of our ministry partners held a fundraiser through her business just last weekend and raised money for the December mm-hmm. initiative. Um, but so there's some of our Christmas traditions coming up in the next month. Looking forward to it all. Yeah, and through all of that on Sunday mornings also, we just, we want, there's a couple ways you can approach the season. Our approach this year is full Christmas, full fun, big Christmas party, happy time, good feelings. We just want to, 
we we want to uh, go Christmas all the way and have fun with it because we know that's that's uh, that's certainly where we are at, and that's where we're hearing what yeah. what folks are feeling, and we're gonna have yeah. a lot of fun with it. I think we want all the best warmth that comes this time of year, and of course we will do so focused on the birth of Jesus and what that means in our lives. Well, today we have a special guest, one of our uh, uh, one of our new elders this year. Uh, maybe our youngest elder, although I don't talk about women's age ever, um, uh, but certainly our youngest elder at the moment. Um, please welcome Kim Muick. Say what you need to say. Say what you need to say. Say what you need to say. Kim, welcome. Thanks, Mike. This is fun. Definitely a first. Yes, you got your headphones on. You're cozied up to the microphone. Uh, here's where Harrison and I have our little podcast studio and our new rhythm now for 65 e- episodes, and it's about time we had you on. Well, I appreciate it. You know, last night I was up four times with my three kids between ear infections, <laughs> nightmares, and growing pains. So if you guys could see me right now, you'd see the bags under my eyes. So all the grace and the crazy things that will come out of my mouth would be much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's evidence that I'm correct. You're uh, our youngest elder, active elder at the moment as evidenced by the age of your children. They sure are adorable. Kim and I go way back uh, to when Lake Forest Church worshipped in the YMCA, and we dropped our boy. We went to pick our oldest son up, who had just started in youth group, which met at the Y on Sunday nights, and we saw this, uh, this young two F- Davidson freshman students who had newly... Um, volunteered to serve as youth leaders running around the parking lot this blonde-haired girl and dark-haired guy uh i guess i could call him a boy he was 18 maybe 17 actually 18. he was 18 okay mm-hmm. and andy and kim who were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time now married i've officiated their wedding andy has served as dylan's uh youth group leader for years and and you guys remain mentors in our both of our sons lives and now our daughter-in-law and and now we get to do life alongside your your young burgeoning family we love your kids and uh spend a little time babysitting so you guys can get out it's time for us to do, to do that again oh we will take you up on it every week <laughs> every week well as as kim um was nominated for and kim you were interviewed uh, to be an elder. You went through that whole nomination process. It's quite a lengthy discernment process. It involves a lot of prayer, a lot of reading, a lot of writing, and interviewing with an elder nominating team, and then the elders themselves. Um, something that, that came out um, r- on your sleeve in your elder interview process was a, uh, a heart for a concern over Christians' presence on social media, and I think mostly about what is our witness. Are we distinct from the world, as Jesus says we should be in any way? And and your concern in particular was for the younger generation, uh, younger millennials and now iGens, who we read statistically are turning off to church engagement uh, and Christianity even, and you, you seem to feel like this is 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 one major factor in that, um, to the point where I've asked for your coaching, for me and our staff and leadership on how do how do we engage effectively and responsibly, and so uh, you've given me some principles that you felt led to, um, that you think are important for Christians, and and we've titled it social media wisdom for Jesus followers. Kim, why has this become an important or heartstring matter for you? You know, I think um, growing up, Mike, my family was not in professional ministry. I was raised in a home of people who took their relationship with Jesus very seriously, who took the call of Jesus very seriously, but they were not in professional ministry. Both my parents had pretty large public voices in the public square, I guess you could say, Um and they were both very effective in how they communicated their faith, how they communicated their convictions, how um, just how they really lived out the call of Jesus in the public square. You know, especially my dad had a public job 
And I've always been very aware of how people represent Jesus, how we represent um, the mission of God in a broken world, how we live that out. And social media has absolutely become a public square of today. I don't know that you can say it's completely replaced other public squares, but it certainly is a public square. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I am very aware of what we put out, what we consume, how that represents Jesus. Um, I have a lot of people in my life who, who ask me, why are your people saying these things? Why are your people doing these things? And, and the majority of the things that they are referencing is specific posts, reposts, tweets um, on social media made by um, followers of Jesus. So okay. it's something that certainly just, yeah, has my attention for sure. One of the things that I appreciate about you and Andy is you you do life with uh, fellow Christians, but you do a lot of life with people who are n- not um, – don't consider themselves a part of the Christian faith. And I love that, that you're you're kind of hanging out with the people who Jesus hung out with. Mm-hmm. He hung out with his people, and he, and he also made those not practicing the faith feel they were his people as well. And that gives you, um, I would say that I hear in you an extra attunement, perhaps, to where the uh, outside of church culture, their perceptions of Christians and the church. And now I'm saying the church in general. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Again, that was something that I was raised with, that we had people in my life that I consider aunts and uncles and my parents' closest friends, um, neighbors, people we, we truly loved and admired who didn't share our faith in Jesus. Um, and it was never a project. It was never anything other than a genuine relationship with with someone who we cared for and admired, um, needed, looked up to, had a reciprocal friendship with. Hmm. But we were also always very aware, and and I think we'll talk about it later, of of the witness that we are are putting out there of who Jesus is. And I think social media is so tricky because all those people that we just mentioned, our neighbors, our friends, coworkers, growing up, those relationships were around a kitchen table or they were – you know, sitting outside on the back deck while we kids raged in the backyard. There was a lot of context, a lot of trust, a lot of relationship. And social media often can have the words, but a lot of those other things missing. And I think it requires all of us to be a little bit more careful, a little bit more thoughtful. I know that's a lesson I've learned (laughs) a million times, um, but it's just certainly something that we have to be aware of why we're using it, how we're using it, um, and making sure that in all things, our goal and direction of our behavior and our words and our life is a testament to the reconciling of all broken things under the kingship of Jesus, um, bringing hope and restoration to, to the dark places. So I think there's a way to do that. I certainly don't do it perfectly. Um, there are some people who do it just extraordinarily well, but that's the goal. That's where our eyes should be set. And uh, I'm, as you say that, I'm reminded of that uh, the fruit – the fruit of the spirit mm. uh, is self-control, mm. and that it, what you're talking about is Christians being thoughtful. This is an area in which, just like our alcohol usage, mm. um, uh, images we view online, um, uh, our our tongue, uh, this is a self-control area. Mm. Uh, would you equate in the book of James? Mm. James is the is one of the wisdom books mm-hmm. of the New Testament, and he talks about the power of the tongue. This, mm-hmm. this a whole forest is set on fire by this little flame. Mm-hmm. A huge ship is steered by this little tiny rudder, uh, and therefore we must be uh, leaning into the Holy Spirit for the power of self control. Would you equate maybe what we write on social media as the tongue? Do you think mm-hmm. those verses are a one to one application? Is where we might yes. go biblically? Yes. I think um, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think it was maybe a year or two ago, um, years and years ago, I taught master's students at Vanderbilt. And one of the young women who was in one of the master's courses that I was teaching, we couldn't be more different. We have opposite politics. Um, she is not a Christian. Um, we, we really could not be more different in, ev- in every, every way. Um, but she commented that so many people think on social media, 
oh, it's so sad that we're ending relationships because or having fights or having disagreement because of what someone says. And she said, I'm grateful because I can see what someone's heart is with their unfiltered mouth. And I immediately thought of the scripture, you know, out of the heart, the mouth yes, speaks. <laughs> Jesus said that. Yes. And I'm sitting here thinking, I just heard the word of God from <laughs> this person who has <laughs> no idea that they're preaching the word of God straight to me. But it was this really, really interesting look at, first of all, we all have so much brokenness in us. And yes, we need to be controlling what comes out of our mouth. But even further than that, I think there's a place for if I am tempted to say something out loud as James would say, or post it or write it. And I stop myself with self-control. It doesn't stop there. You know, I need to look and say, why, why was I tempted to say that in the first place? You know, Mm -hmm. why, if I was tempted to call someone an idiot or a moron or stupid or us versus them or that kind of language. And I stop myself because I realize that will offend someone or hurt someone's feelings or not be, not represent Jesus well, it goes deeper than that. You know, why is there that darkness in my heart in the first place? Um, So I think the James verses are really well taken. um, But for me, it's been a really hard and good process to look a little bit deeper at why, why do I feel that in my heart to begin with? Mm -hmm. Um, So, well, let's, you drew up a, um, sort of your own uh, almost Mm -hmm. manifesto, Mm -hmm. just trying to get thoughts out on paper, social media wisdom for Jesus followers. And uh, in your own introduction, you talk about, I think where you were just then, is that as followers of Jesus, we're the first people to acknowledge that we sometimes fall short Mm. and have humility about our own failings, our own sin. C.S. Lewis once said, unfortunately for too many of us Christians, when we first uh, become a Christian and repent is, is too often the last time <laughs> we ever <laughs> repent, which is silly to say and yet um, thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about uh, uh, an attitude of humility, repentance, and reconciliation, mm-hmm. uh, not relying on our own moral righteousness, but on the grace and forgiveness of Jesus to to do this well. And then you've written out a number of principles here. Mm. Uh, or practices, and maybe uh, if I could just refer to some of them and, and ask um, why you wrote this down. Sure. Um, and you have some scriptures for each of them. Um, uh, this your your second one. Christians tell the truth. Mm. We read every article, quote, or post before reposting, because if we have not read it, we cannot ensure its truthfulness. Mm. That's an interesting corollary to telling the truth. Mm. Never reposting something we haven't fully read. Yeah, I think that's something that we are all really tempted to see a headline that's really grabby or that may we may agree with or mm-hmm. um, even the source of someone. I, I am really careful because there are people who I like to say sometimes I can eat the meat and spit out the bones where someone will say something that is really poignant or wonderful or truthful but if there's someone who also has a pattern of a lot of crazy behavior (laughs) I'm not tempted or I try I try to not repost or share because I don't want to give the impression that I'm endorsing that person's entire body of work and that gets tricky that lesson the hard way yeah (laughs) that gets real tricky but certainly reading a full article um making sure that you've read and and if you do want to share something because you agree with part of it or you think it's thought-provoking, not necessarily that you agree with it, making sure it's caveated, you know, that you're saying that in the post. Kim, my most embarrassing mistake on social media in the last year, year and a half, I I can't remember what month it was, (laughs) was a hasty comment myself Mm -hmm. based on a headline of what a friend of mine had posted. Mm -hmm. I did not read the whole post. Mm -hmm. I did not read the whole... And so I actually made a comment that was opposite to what the person was saying. This person was very kind and took down the whole post mm. out of protection for my reputation. Mm. I'm I forget sometimes I'm a public person. <laughs> and uh, this person and I had some vigorous discussion. We, we had a reconciliation over a cup of coffee out here mm. at Defined and were very kind to each other. Um, but it was... I violated this principle, hmm. and uh, I was quick to speak 
Again, mm. James says, be quick to listen, slow mm. to speak. I was the opposite because I didn't read mm. the whole post. And that would be an, an uh, Christians telling the truth. Another subset of Christians telling the truth, that we always tell the truth on social media. You wrote, we do not post things we don't understand. Of course, no one's a subject matter on, expert on everything. We rely on the parts of the body of Christ uniquely equipped in distinct areas rather than trying to be all-knowing on all things. We cannot ensure truthfulness of material in which we are not fluent. Better not to speak than to speak on something unfamiliar and unknowingly spread falsehoods. Hmm. Unintentional violations of truth-telling still matter. Hmm. And you, you wrote Leviticus 4. Mm-hmm. Did you that's some deep research. What's Leviticus 4? <laughs> so Leviticus 4 is going through the requirements in the, in the Old Testament of um, animal sacrifice that are required for individual sinful behaviors. Um, and it was really striking to me because there was this special section of people who have sinned against God unintentionally, huh. maybe broken one of the Ten Commandments unintentionally. And there was still a requirement for animal sacrifice. And that was really striking to me because I think I tend to get more dismissive with myself when it's, oh, I didn't mean to. Oh, I truly yeah. didn't know. And I think there's certainly a difference between a willful act of, you know, a lie. But I think there's also a responsibility that we have when we when we are just maybe a little bit, hate to use the word lazy, but maybe for me a little bit lazy in doing my vetting, mm-hmm. um, there's still a responsibility there, even if it's something that I kind of believed to be true or I didn't realize was well, not true. And this relates, thank you for taking us to Leviticus chapter 4. <laughs> Outstanding. Now you see why one of the reasons why she's an elder. She <laughs> is a woman uh, soaked in God's word. You, you had, <coughs> excuse me, another corollary that it gets to just what you said uh, about Christians tell the truth and unintentional violations mm-hmm. of truth-telling matter. And here was your other corollary on, on this truth-telling. Uh, quote, I like it, or quote, they're on my side, end of quote, does not hold equivalent value to truth. Mm-hmm. I like it, quote-unquote, does not mean it must be true. Vetting sources for truth requires a significant time investment. When unsure of the validity of something, it is wise to ask a trusted friend, maybe even someone who doesn't hold your same positions. Mm. Comment on that. Yeah. How so just because they're on my side could be mm. a violation of truth telling. Yeah. So I think there's one extreme, which is I like this or this this gives my side a point. And it could be as silly as, man, I would really love it if The Office came back for another season. And if uh-huh. someone sends me an article saying The Office is coming back for another <laughs> season, man, I wish that was true. And I would be, so, or, hey, there's going to be another Harry Potter book. The whole world book, would you know? stop for yes. that, either oh, of those two things. People yeah. tell me all the time, they send me these articles, J.K. Rowling's writing another Harry Potter book. And, you know, my heart leaps and how I wish uh-huh, it were uh-huh. to be true. Um, so I think that's one extreme. But another idea that actually came to me that, where I almost stepped in it really big um, was also this idea of this matters to me. And one, one example that I have is, you know, we at Lake Forest and Andy and I personally, we really care about human trafficking. That's something that's important to us. It matters deeply. It's something we don't hear about enough. It's something that is hidden largely in our world. And there are some amazing groups doing incredible work. Um, actually, when I was a Davidson student, Lake Forest brought in International Justice Mission That's one right. Sunday. Yeah, and talked to Andy and I and a bunch of other college kids. And since then, Andy and I have given a small amount, but a small amount every month to International huh. Justice Mission. And we've known through CIN and some other partner organizations, kids who've been trafficked. And this is, we are not experts. We, you know, we've read a couple books, but we are certainly not subject matter experts but it is something we care about. And a couple years ago, there was this onslaught of tragically fake stories about human trafficking. Mm. And one came across my screen and I was so, I read it and I cried. I was touched by it. It felt, I mean, it hit me in the heart and I'm sitting there ready to click repost and write one of my (laughs) captions to go with it. And I did a little digging and it wasn't true. And there was this sense of, oh, my goodness, I almost posted something completely like just and I confused for a moment. This matters to me with this is true. 
And I think as Christians, we have to be ruthless in our pursuit of truth, ruthless in our pursuit of truth. And, and again, perhaps that gets to the, these um, foundational virtues of mm. the use of the tongue. Mm. Quick to listen. Mm. We might include research. Mm. We might include background research of mm. quick to listen before being slow to speak because the tongue can set a forest on fire. Yeah. Um, and one more thing I want to say about subject matter experts is that there's a you know young woman in our church who I've had a discipling, mentoring relationship with, goodness, for almost a decade. And now we're just friends, which is really fun. But she is finishing her third year of law school, and she is a legal expert. She just signed with one of the top firms in Charlotte. And let me tell you, when I am getting ready to post anything on the internet related to the law, I know that she is watching me like a hawk. And I know that she will come to me and say, Kim, you have no idea what you're talking about. Stop saying, and my sister-in-law is a physician. So the same thing. Oh, I, I am nervous when I start you know, messing around in other people's areas where these are people who are followers of Jesus. They're uniquely trained and equipped. And I can have a different opinion than them. I can disagree with them, but just really understanding that there's so much nuance and complexity that I don't understand. This isn't my area. Let me ask you a question. Let me jump off of Mm. these principles for a moment. Let me ask your suggestion. Um, because you and Andy led in our youth ministry and mm. college ministry for so long, you're, you guys are uniquely in touch with a lot of early 20s, mm. mid-20-somethings. Um, what, I, what, um, what worries me, worries, what, what makes me feel despairing mm. is when I'll hear a 20-something say, yeah, I saw this stupid Christian post this stupid stuff. And I know they're looking at someone who is not, to your point, a subject matter expert Mm. on Christian ethics or Mm -hmm. theology or whatever, Mm. the connection between Christianity and politics. And so I'm seeing young people that I know and love and and respect intellectually being so put off Mm. by the rando Somebody claiming to be a Christian who nobody even knows. Mm. It's just some weird thing that blew up mm. because it's incendiary. Mm. And allowing that, what what advice do you have for younger people or, or those who are not Christians to do their own due diligence and be influenced by the really uh, solid, high-character Christians mm. they know as opposed to letting a rando mm-hmm. on social media influence their whole view of the Christian faith. And yeah. like, and, and they're like, I'm just going to drop out. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's really, really an important question. And I was just talking to my husband about this this week and telling him how I, oh, I get so tempted to jump into being Jesus's defense attorney, you know, trading in my <laughs> witness card. <laughs> when I, yeah. And I, I think um, he brought up the point that, since the first century, there have been people claiming the name of Jesus who um, hmm. either they are mixed up about one or two things or they truly are not followers. And I think my urging to I have two, two things, my urging to young people is to look at the person of Jesus mm-hmm. um, always. And I think looking at scripture, looking at Jesus um before you look at people. And and that would be my my first urging. And then my urging to the rest of us is I sent out, and this is not a Barna study. You know, this is me texting people <laughs> that okay, I know. Okay. But yes. I, te- I sent a, a text to, I was thinking about these issues, to a good number of my friends, some who follow Jesus, some who don't. And I asked, what would what is more discouraging from you checking out faith for someone who's, who, you know, is not part of a church or following Jesus or to my friends who were, what is more destructive to our witness? And the first one was Christians seemingly infighting publicly or Christians not holding one another accountable for their hate. And every single person said the second. So Mm. I do think there is Christians not holding one another Mm -hmm. accountable for, uh, 
hateful or irresponsible sure. use yeah. of language. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's really nobody wants to see people <laughs> going at it and fighting. And I'm absolutely not suggesting. So hear me that you go nuts in mm-hmm. a comment section on every Facebook post in the world because. I have learned that's not effective. I think many of us have learned that's not effective. But I do think there is a place for a quick correction. Um, Because I think the answer that a lot of kids and young people would have to your question, Mike, is, well, you're not doing anything about it. Why are you, why am I, um, why am I turned off when I see other randos? Well, I don't see you telling them to stop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, that you're, you're united with them. You're singing Kumbaya and they're behaving this way. Um, So that's a really, really sticky line. So how about for me? Yeah. Because I, there are times when Mm. I would like to (laughs) jump in and yes, be defense attorney for Jesus Mm. or say, Hey everybody, (laughs) that, ridiculousness over there is yeah. really not reflective of of historic Christianity. Mm. And yet, um, the scriptures tell me, mm. well, my mama told me, <laughs> if you if you get in a fight with a pig, you just end up yes. with mud all over you. Yes. And the scriptures say, yep. if you answer a fool according mm-hmm. to their folly, you end up being a fool as well while you're in discussion with them. And so what is, how, how am I to leverage my mm. reputation without being the, acting like I know everything and I'm the moral police on mm. Facebook or getting on a righteous crusade all day? Mm. Do you get what I'm asking? Totally. I, and I've already asked you this in private yeah. and I know there's no perfect answer. No. But I'm Wouldn't now I'm nice? asking you in front of a lot of friends. <laughs> I just read Tell a, me what to do, Kim. Well, I just read a proverb this morning that said, do not rebuke a scoffer. Um, oh. for they will hate you, but if you rebuke, rebuke a wise man, they will love you for it. And wow. that was really, Precisely. yeah, it was really good for me to think about how I respond to correction. Um, yeah, I think good for all of us. So I think there's a line and thankfully scripture gives us a couple different things. One is obviously Matthew 18, which talks about, you know, how, how we handle conflict and going to someone directly and then going with one other person and then bringing it to the church. But there's also it was striking to me reading, I think it was first or second Timothy, where it talked about leaders and elders. First Timothy 520. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Jeff actually, we might've gone over some of this on Sunday, but um, Christians, especially elders, understand they're open to public correction for their public statements mm-hmm. when they're in error in order to protect the body. And I almost turned in my elder card when I saw that, Mike, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because I think there's I think how we handle one another and how we love one another and how we correct one another really depends on who it is um, with your kids when you're doing it right, which I try so hard to you pull them aside, right? You don't, you don't correct your kid in front of, that's one of my parenting, like big pet pieces when people yeah, yeah. publicly. You see that in the middle oh, of Target. Yeah. And it's hard in Target. Oh my goodness. You have to deal with the screaming <laughs> kid. <laughs> right. Yes. So I think, you know, when it's someone, you know, a friend or, or someone in our, in our flock of our people, there's private conversation is, is always good. I think it's tricky when it's a public statement and it's an elder or a leader or, me or or staff you or we have conversations with this a couple of times a year with our staff that i have friends who uh, senior pastors Mm. who have written a rule that no one on the church staff Mm. or elders is allowed to post any political opinions whatsoever that does not feel authentic Mm. that uh, that would be like me telling our staff you can't bring Mm. who you are to work Mm. on the other hand (laughs) We have a clear social media policy, mm. um, and I don't have it in front of me right now. And mm. we talk about it every now and then again as staff. Mm. Are we being above board? Let's hit a few others yeah. of these. Christians must have two to three credible witnesses to make an accusation or allegation. Mm. A shocking headline needs to be backed up by several sources and shouldn't be reposted in haste. Mm. What do you mean by this? Christians two, ha, must have two to three credible witnesses to make an accusation. And that's 1 Timothy 5.19. Yeah, so that, that actually may be the scripture Jeff mentioned real quick um, on Sunday. But that's actually specifically targeted to bringing an allegation about an elder or a leader. But I think there's a general principle there that we... We really make sure um, before we say something about someone or, 
or something that we have vetted it properly. I remember there was something that happened in the news years ago, um, and I think it was Bill Hamill who wanted to make sure talking to Andy, well, how many sources do you have saying that this even happened? It was really early in a news cycle, and it was such a wise question of are we sure, first of all, that this uh-huh. even happened, you know, in the in the world? And it had in that case. Um, but it was such a wise principle from from one of our elders just to make sure that something has has happened. Um, yeah. OK. Um, here here's a big one. And this mm. is what we I intend to hold our staff as accountable as possible mm. for. However, I'm not on social media much, so mm. I don't read all their posts. Mm. Any of you are free to um, tell me if you see. Our, some of our staff and elders violating this principle because it's one of the most clear ones mm-hmm. to me, Kim, that is like the big E on the eye chart mm-hmm. for believers mm-hmm. online. And here it is. Uh, Christians are just like it's the big E on the eye chart when you're ordering a coffee at Defined Coffee. Mm-hmm. Christians are respectful of all, including leaders and in authority, even and especially when we disagree. Disagree Disagreement with others and elected officials is expected and accepted Name-calling, however, is not Mm. tolerable. Tell me about that. So one of the things that is just like kind of a bee in my bonnet or or maybe just makes me sad lately is that I've seen, it's pretty much the same three or four examples over and over. Um, People will really let their words fly and then they'll back it up with the same examples from scripture. And it's Jesus calling the Pharisees a brood of vipers. Jesus calling the Pharisees whitewashed tombs, Jesus turning tables over in the temple, and Jesus telling Peter to get behind me, Satan. Those are the same four examples that I hear people using. Well, I can use strong language because Jesus, (laughs) Jesus did, and he said these things. And one of the things that really struck me as I went back and looked at those examples is every time Jesus was speaking, first of all, it's Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> so let's let's be really careful with how we make one to ones with Jesus yeah. in the first century. But also those are all towards people who are claiming the name of Jesus. Hmm. Every time that Jesus used those really firm words, which I believe there's a time for them as well. Um, that was not Jesus going to Caesar. Mm-hmm. That was not Jesus going to elected officials. That was his own people, his own people claiming the name of God. Um, so I think it's really, and I'm not saying we should call each other those names. If I call you a brood right. of vipers, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Um, but I think there's, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is just this incredible example of being led to their death. <laughs> they disagreed firmly and they were bold in their disagreement and they were bold in their proclaiming of who God was. Um, they did not bow. They did not engage in any idolatry. They didn't, they didn't make any compromise but they were still respectful to the authorities over them. And that is so convicting for me. You know, when I used to work in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools and my principal said, Kim, I never know where I'm going to find you picketing. (laughs) I was always had, you know, something going on, whether it was, you know, inequities or my broken smart board or something. I always was willing to be bold and firm, but I really, really tried and didn't always get it right, but I really tried to learn how to be respectful in in my boldness. You have been. I've respected how you have been and still are an advocate for um, uh, at least adequate resources (laughs) for special needs children. Mm. You you, uh, both taught and been in an administration Mm. for that in particular. And as well as your advocacy that we uh, properly fund education in under-resourced or Mm -hmm. or impoverished schools. Um, And I appreciate that advocacy. And and so you're talking about something you've actually done. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the, I I think the the Mm name-calling of a public official or people who disagree with this is, for me, it's always an indulgence Mm -hmm. in my flesh. It is not ever of the Spirit. Paul says so many times to uh, uh, let your words be Mm. true, Mm. seasoned with grace. Um, He says that so many different ways. Mm. It is always an indulgence of the flesh for me. me. Um, And I have such a smart mouth. I have such a smart mouth. And I think that's an area that's 
really challenging because there are times that I let my words fly. And that goes back to what we said earlier about like and looking at my heart, what often it's more about me than the person I'm calling the name. Christian, here's another one of Mm. your principles. Just do a few more. Christians are always aware of Mm. our public witness and that and the many eyes that Mm. are watching. Mm. So this says something about when we're at the keyboard or the phone Mm. or whatever most people use. Um, Tell me about that. Christians are always aware of our public witness. I guess that has to do with maybe the prioritization of of why we're choosing to respond to something or repost something. I'm sure there's someone who has studied some metrics on this. I certainly haven't. Um, But there have been a couple times where someone has reached out to me called me, texted me, messaged me about something they saw on the on social media that I posted. Um, the ones that are coming to mind are positive, but maybe that's just because of my ego. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there were negative ones too, but they didn't like it. They didn't comment on it. But they reached out to me in one case months later. There was a um, person I went to high school with who you know, was raised in, in Islam, and she messaged me and said, I want you to know you posted something a couple months ago. It stuck with me. I've never thought about Jesus this way. Hmm. I'm interested. And it was so striking to me that I had no idea that she was watching, that there are always more and more people watching. Um, And I can guarantee you when you post something controversial, when I post something controversial, when things are when things are going crazy, there are flurries of text chains happening um, that we are not aware of. Um, There are people emotional there you know there's just a lot there's a lot happening and that doesn't mean that you always don't do it like there's a time to be bold whether it's in the public in the real public square whether it's in the social media public square whether it's at your kitchen table there's times to be bold there's times to ask hard questions there's times to be firm Um, there's times to correct even when it makes people uncomfortable I'm not saying we don't do it like absolutely I'm not saying that but it's so important to know the cost and and what's happening when we do so thank you for that um christian let's see likes and reposts Mm -hmm. are read as an endorsement unless specifically clarified otherwise be very careful with what you platform by liking or reposting both tone and content matter i had Mm -hmm. a I learned that the hard way as well. Mm. I'm not saying I've 100% Mm. learned and I will never do that again. Um, Yeah, can you speak to that briefly? Yeah, I think that's maybe something that's been hardest for me. Again, with sometimes I like to think, oh, I can eat the fish and spit out the bones. And I liked what someone said, but I didn't really like how they say it. Or I liked 90% of what someone said, just not that one name calling thing. Or, oh, I thought that was funny and I'm not really thinking, so I'm going to like it. Um, to me, and I think to many, a like or a repost, unless it's caveated, is often read as an endorsement. And so this is a principle that I follow to make sure that I agree with someone's entire comment or statement before I hit like. Um, And I know, yeah, so that's just something that I try and follow, is to read the entire thing, make sure I'm good with it completely, um, and maybe that's me being ultra careful, but it's certainly a principle. I know there was one time when um, someone randomly said something that was hurtful personally to me, and a, a friend of mine who I've known for a long time liked the comment. And I took that very personally, and, and this person and I had a conversation, and they had no intention of supporting that part of the comment. But, you know, it was, think, oh, okay. you know, I think there's something to be said for making sure we're reading and understanding all of what people are saying before we agree to it and again um exercising discretion Mm, yeah uh being quick to listen slow to speak i i I think it's an application to say slow to like Mm. if any part of someone's Mm. post is derisive derogatory Mm. um name calling Mm -hmm. uh i i just i i think that's out of bounds honestly yeah for christians I want to finish with two things. Mm. One is a question for you, Mm. and then I want to ask you about your last principle here. Okay. There are others that Kim has written out that that we're not getting to today, but 
Um, this is a really helpful document, Kim. Um, I listened to a podcast mm-hmm. uh, where they interviewed a uh, Harvard sociologist who is a popular author and on um, time efficiency and time mm-hmm. affluence mm-hmm. in our time-sapped culture and world. And she's really a thoughtful person, and so they were talking about this issue. And, and so the podcaster said, so what's the number one, what are ways that we become more time affluent? Just to look at this a little different direction. And she said, this is a woman who's an expert today in how Americans use their time. She said, number one is a way to get more time affluence, and we all feel like we don't have enough time, is uh, limit the Mm. use of social media. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, duh. (laughs) But just to hear this from this Harvard expert, and then this was interesting, Kim, and uh, you may disagree a little bit because it, you're you're more cause oriented than I am mm. on social media, and and you see that as the public square and things need to be contended for. Mm-hmm. But she said, really, if you, you if you lean into the social media things that are what the algorithms are trying to mm. produce, which is anger mm-hmm. and conflict, mm-hmm. and that'll get boosted. That you research shows you always come away less happy than mm-hmm. when you started. If you lean into social media for what we all originally thought was the good purpose and you say happy birthday mm-hmm. and you click like on somebody on your cute kids, <laughs> their their Halloween picture was adorable. Um, nice job on the outfits, by the way. You, you get a, a, a grade a, a plus on that. Um, those kind of things mm-hmm. actually um, produce happiness in us mm-hmm. and social connection. Can you just speak to, you are a cause-oriented person. Mm. You're a Mm justice-oriented person. You're a truth-oriented person. Mm. Um, Yeah, can you speak to that? Yeah, so I think one of the things, um, I just read an article a friend sent me this week um, where Tim Keller was talking about the purpose of social media, and it's really more about identity formation than it is about communicating different ideas. So I think it's really, you can try and fight against that tide as much as you can, as much as you want, but I think it's, it's when you understand what it is and what it's meant to be, um, and a lot of times when people talk about causes, it's more about wanting to be associated with that cause than actually True. believing in it. Yeah, there's a great Saturday Night Live skit about that. Oh, yes. It's hilarious. So I think one of the, the lines that I have for myself, I actually wrote years ago a list of can you tell I like principles? I wrote a list of principles that I wanted to pass on to my children. And one of them is that they learn to live louder than they speak. Hmm. Um, and that's something that I, it's not on this list, but it's kind of overarching that there's a, a very small number of things that I feel I've earned the right to speak on by the way that I live. Um, and that goes back to the body of Christ because there's a whole body of people who've earned the right to speak on things that I have not. Um, and so really knowing what matches your identity in something um, and what doesn't and what do you have, what do you have a right to be heard on? Um, you know, of course, in this nation, we all have the right to speak, which is extraordinary and incredible and rare. And um, mm-hmm. just I mean, we can't we can't ever be grateful enough for that. Um, but as a Christian, what what do you have the right to be heard on and what matches your identity in a Um, a certain content area. And I think there's, you know, you're rarely going to change someone's mind or life or heart with issues that are posted. But I think there is a place to show who Jesus is. And there's a difference between showing, I want to change your mind on this and Jesus cares about this. You know, Mm -hmm. this is, this Mm -hmm. is something that Jesus speaks to. This is something that Jesus cares about that I care about. Jesus heart breaks for this. My heart breaks for this. I think it's more about the identity um, and in modeling the ethics of Jesus and how we are speaking publicly Mm. online about contentious matters because it's a non-essential whether you're a red or a blue. Yeah. Um, But and so we don't necessarily point to Jesus by contending Mm -hmm. for a political side. We really reflect on Jesus and how we contend in the public square. To to your point, did you know that the state motto for North Carolina is, I can't quote it in Latin, but it's uh, to be rather than to seem. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, I I really, really like that. And I think, 
you know, I, I was reminded of this quote. I think I sent this quote to you. It's from a, a leader named Andy Crouch, um, but I think it's pertinent. He said, we know that the way we are formed is by proximate, inescapable encounter with another person who deeply loves us, who's willing to let us be vulnerable in their presence, who's themselves willing to be vulnerable in our presence, and who calls us to a kind of renovated life. That is the way anybody changes. Um, and when I think about the people in my life, you know, my parents are not on social media. My brother's not on social media. My husband's not on social media. The women who speak most powerfully into my life are not on social media. Um, we all, so I think there's this, you know, Christianity Today did this big thing about don't leave social media. We need your light in the dark. And I think, again, it goes back to the body of Christ and that some people are called to you know, be active and some people are not. And there's, there's a place for that in knowing um, who you are, but we know that the way that true heart change that's happened in my life and that's happened in the lives of people that I've loved is from that inescapable proximate encounter with people who deeply love us. And, you know, just keep that in mind. That is a good last word, Kim. And Mm. and you did answer my question well, that Mm. we have different callings on Mm. social media. I will close with, one measurement that you wrote out, which I thought was helpful. Um, Christians are always on guard for the slipperiness of idolatry. A healthy diagnostic, when we repeatedly fall short of the above guidelines, uh, is it because of our allegiance to something or someone else? Mm-hmm. If, if my repeated falling short of my own standards, mm-hmm. much less the New Testament standards for use of my tongue on social mm-hmm. media, if it, it's repeatedly in service to one cause or issue, then that might be a sign of idolatry. Really helpful, Kim. Mm. Thank you for joining me here today. Just fun to have a conversation with you in front of my friends. Ask LFC podcast listeners. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.